I want to revisit the March for Our Lives that happened about uh, two weeks ago now, or happened last week. I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about a little, just a little bit about David Hogg, some of the Parkland advocates and speakers, and whether or not they are exempt from criticism because it's an interesting conversation. I also want to expound a little bit on a FritzCast blog post that I posted up last week regarding Facebook security and privacy on the internet. We also have China imposing tariffs on us because we impose tariffs on steel. It's a little political tit for tat. All this and a little more is coming up. This is... Fritz cast. Typically, I post these on a Friday now, but guess what? This is this is a throwback to the beginning of FritzCast days. It's Monday, April 2nd, 2018, and if you follow me on Facebook, Twitter, what have you, you probably saw my horrendous April Fool's joke that's going to send me to hell. And in fact, I'm a little bit under the weather today. If you can't hear it in my voice, just click on a past episode real quick and listen and listen to me now. Because there's some there's something jacked up in my in in somewhere in my head somewhere between my head and my throat something is messed up because clearly my voice is agitated irritated and about an octave lower than it normally is which is something that we're just gonna burn through all right it's something we're gonna get through I don't know why I don't know what I'm feeling or why I'm feeling it right now it could be the fact that as I stare out my office windows right now uh, that it's pouring down well it's yeah it's pouring down rain it's cold outside they were calling for snow i thought it was an april fools joke but uh speaking of of april fools jokes i posted a picture of jesus yesterday exiting the tomb that said april fools on it that was my that was my contribution to april fools and i'm probably going to go to hell for it but wait a minute didn't you hear the news pope francis pope namesake got up and said that there is no hell so I, I guess we're I guess we're all right, but there's a clause to that. People were sharing this story like like wildfire. I guess because Pope Francis is so he's such a, a wildly different figure for the Catholic Church than in Pope's past. Uh, you know, a Pope's history's past. You know, different. He's a different type of Pope. Um, I don't make these popes like they used to. While he came out and said that there is no hell. What he what the the alternative argument that he presented was that simply that if souls reject Christ's uh, or God's compa- like this is where it confuses me because Catholics I think I could be wrong but Catholics they're all about the the Trinity right the the it's one God but it's three like personalities or whatever if if Catholicism isn't that then forgive me I was only baptized Catholic and stayed under the baptized Catholic banner for like a year before my family converted to Mormonism and really became heathens. And 
So I cried all during my Catholic baptism anyway. The priest actually joked, I don't think he wants to be a Catholic. Who knew? Who knew? In any case, if Catholics aren't the, the Trinity or whatever, basically Pope Francis said, if, if people aren't going to accept God's mercy, which is a gift to all under the Catholic belief, if, if, if souls don't want to accept that, they'll simply disappear. They'll just, basically, they just cease to exist. Basically, what an atheist believes happens when they die. And, I don't know, I found that kind of off-putting, probably because there's a side of me that's like, no, if, if somebody was really, truly a rotten scumbag uh, on on Earth during their life, uh, and there is, a, there is a God and some kind of punishment coming their way, I would hope that it would be some kind of, like, you know, damning punishment, like, just fading away into nothingness that's what atheists believe and some of them walk around quite content with that belief so just saying it doesn't seem like that much of a punishment but maybe that's because I'm thinking about it in my mortal spectrum mind and I can't wrap my brain around it so there's that alright so maybe I'm not going to hell maybe I am going to hell I don't know I don't know it's going to be a fun ride figuring out whether or not I go to hell or not we'll figure it out some other time uh, I hope everybody's had a good week up to now. Uh, Easter was yesterday, so if you celebrate the Easter, um, anything anything revolving around the uh, the times of Easter and uh, I believe uh, isn't it Passover? That's right. If you're if you're Jewish, you're celebrating the Passover from Friday, March thirtieth, to Saturday, April seventh. I don't know why I'm telling you that. You know, I don't. Um, so it's Passover for um, people of the Jewish faith. The Christians just had a uh, Easter, Good Friday, and, and Easter Sunday. And some people, like my wife, have Easter Monday today. Like, what? You either get off Friday or Monday. You don't get off both. She gets off both. Whatever. Despite the fact that she was off, she went project crazy over the weekend. Um, we have new, like, spice racks that she built by hand with, uh, with wood from, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot. There's probably somebody out there right now. It should just be a Home Depot. Goddamn America. Um, she made some spice racks to clear out our cabinet space, which uh, it worked. Brilliantly worked. She made this laundry pedestal to put our washer and dryer on top of, and I actually love the hell out of that thing. We've only had it for like three days now. But it lifts the washer and dryer two feet off the ground, so instead of bending over to take dirty laundry, to put dirty laundry in, take wet laundry out and put it in the dryer and all that, it's at like, it's at my standing level, I can just do it, it's beautiful, I love that, love it, she also made a couple other racks, like, uh, she made a rack to put on the inside of one of our uh, cabinets for our cutting boards, so they're not sitting out all sprawled out ugly in the kitchen countertops, which we don't have a lot of counter space anyway, so she went project crazy, I got to finish the subflooring in the first bedroom that we started doing the flooring project of this house in, which is beautiful because now I can walk in that room and there's floor there. <laughs> At least a subfloor, you know what I mean? You should have seen the boards that I was tearing out. 1950s plywood, half an inch thick, uh, flimsy, flimsy material that was crap. Utter crap. I don't know how you people lived in the 50s. This house was built in like 1957, I think. 
And, you know, some people would be like, well, that's good craftsmanship. They don't make material like that anymore. I, you could sink into the subflooring of this thing. You could stand in the middle of one and feel the sagginess in the board. All right, so it wasn't what... It, it's not exactly what I would have called quality, if you know what I mean. So uh, I decided to rip those ones out, uh, cut and flush along the edge of the wall so that these new three and a... Three and a... No, not three and a half. Three quarters of an inch. That's what I'm looking for. Fractions. Not good at them. Three quarter of an inch subfloor, you know, OSB board. Which is nice and sturdy and thick. And uh, we got tongue and groove ones. Which they, they were kind of a pain in the butt to fit into the room. But it, it is what it is. It's not the best. It's not the worst. So we got that in. Uh, so I have an entire subfloor in that room, and it's beautiful. I can go in there, jump up and down, yay. I have solid flooring under me now, not just floor joists and my freaking crawl space. So this week, I think, it's either this week or the beginning of next week, the actual laminate flooring planks will be shipped, and I'll have to go to the store and pick them up because they have to get shipped to the store, and the store inspects them and makes sure they're good. And then I can start carting them to my house. And I'm starting in that room. That room will... I'll do that room up until about the doorway. And I'll get one of those stops put in. And then I'll go to the next bedroom. And we'll do that. We'll go to the doorway. And then we'll go to the final bedroom. Do that. Get to the doorway. Then we'll go out in the hallway. And then over the course of a weekend or whatever, we'll knock out the living room and the dining room. At least, you know, enough to have subflooring down and then move on to getting the rest of the flooring in. And it'll be great. It'll be great once it's done and I can crawl under the house and put uh, insulation in and, and moisture barriers in because the house didn't have any insulation under it whatsoever. Whatsoever. I should have known that from inspection, right? I should have known that. But I didn't for some reason. So whatever. I'm just improving my house. I'm improving my house. Slowly but surely. Maybe that's what made me sick. I don't I, I want to say I didn't get sick because that was that was on Saturday. And Sunday I was fine until the evening time. So something cre- crept up. For sure. Something crept up. So the past two weeks, I spent uh, doing my field training gig, which you know, I guess now it's uh, now it's fine that the sickness is settling in for two solid weeks. Uh, you get, I get put on the uh, eight to four shift, and I get weekends off, so I, I performed perfectly during my uh, extracurricular duties, I guess you could say, in doing my field training thing with the class, and I had twelve outstanding officers. That were a pleasure to work with the entire time, and now they get to dive in and be, you know, little worker bees, and that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for them, and I love every any time I get to work on that program and do that program. I, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoy and love doing it. And this week, in fact, I, I get to work a couple of overtimes to do something else with that program and expand on a, another aspect, which is great because, um. 
my uh, you know it, it boosts my worth, my work ethic, and my morale. And people do like my work. It makes me feel appreciated at work because there's people that are high and above me who have eyes on it. So I guess you could say the pressure's on for it, but it's a good pressure. It's a pressure that I, that I like to try to thrive under. So it's something that. I, but it's something that I love doing because when I came in through the ranks and when a lot of people came through the ranks, they did not have a structured program like that. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. But now it's getting the attention that it deserves. And I'm glad that I'm a part of it because that is, that's a fulfilling aspect of my job. There is the normal hustle and bustle and daily grind of my job. But when I do something like I'm doing with it right now, when I get called onto that and get to focus on that, and that can be my primary function. I love it, and I believe that I thrive under it. But it's one of those things where I have to work hard when that time pops up, and in between I have to maintain. So Now before I dive in to this uh, March for Our Lives and David Hogg and, and criticism of, of those that, that speak out against uh, gun violence, for example, I want to start with this uh, quote from Abraham Lincoln. And this quote, mind you, this was I, it, it took some painstaking research to figure out the exact quote because a lot of times what you find on the internet, if you type in inspirational quotes or you type in a person's name and quotes and you start looking through the images from like IZ quotes and all these, all these other ones, you see them floated around a lot. A lot of those quotes are dumbed down, reworded, or taking the basic idea of what this person said over a paragraph or a couple of sentences and it to me to me at least anyway it cheapens the originality of the quote and the meaning of the quote so this is something that I had to painstakingly research all right this is uh, let me let me read you the first the quote the 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 misquote that goes around from uh, from this original quote first now, here's the one that's passed around, and tell me if you've seen this posted before. All right, it says, quote, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. If you've seen that around and thought, oh, wow, what a profound quote from Abraham Lincoln. Let me tell you, right now, he never said that string of words. Ever. He never said that string of words. Not one time did he say that phrase. And and that's the sad that's the sad fact. People plaster it on the internet, it's in a meme or it's in a picture and they, they share it and without research, without research or looking into it further, people go, Oh, that sounds nice and they share it and they put it in their email, little, you know, signature lines as something stupid and goofy and, and inspirational and without doing further Research. They believe that that's actually what Lincoln said. The concept that that quote was taken from was actually Abraham Lincoln's uh, Lyceum Address. All right, and that was given. He gave he gave that on January twenty seventh, eighteen thirty eight, and his speech was titled "The Perpetuation of Our Political Institutions." All right, in this speech, the exact line that Lincoln said, and this is the exact quote. All right, he said, "Quote." If destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. 
As a nation of free men, we we must live through all time or die by suicide. Basically, you could say that the first quote I read is some kind of bastardized, dumbed-down version of that, and it more or less is the same. I guess you could say that that is factual. It sounds a lot cooler in the original quote, though. Uh, That's what I'm saying. And I think switching it from the original quote makes it lose its context. Because what he is saying here is that, that that last line right there, as a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. We do things to ourselves. We do things to ourselves quite often. And my, by the way, this, this, this little research bit, I'll go off on a tan- tangent here real quick. Uh, Austin Peterson, he was a former... Libertarian presidential candidate. He is now a Republican candidate for senator in Missouri, running against Claire McCaskill, running against other GOP primary um, candidates. Austin Peterson got banned from Facebook not once but twice for giving for doing an AR-15 raffle. And Austin Peterson prides himself on knowing the law, knowing Americans' rights. Okay. And yes, he was raffling off an AR-15, an AR that uh, quote-unquote weapon of war, which it's not. Um, and a professor, at least that's what this guy's profile says, a professor on Twitter shared the link to his AR-15 raffle and said something along the lines of, he had better hope that uh, this doesn't fall into the wrong hands and that the person that wins this destructive weapon doesn't uh, doesn't create havoc and chaos with it. Did anybody look into this? Is there even a background check? To which I chimed in to the professor that if he had merely clicked the link that he provided to the whole world, that he shared to the whole world, if he had clicked the link to the AR-15 raffle contest, and simply clicked the terms and conditions at the bottom of the contest where it states that all the winner, that any winner, whoever the winner is, is subject to state and federal laws over obtaining the prize, which means submitting and passing the background check going to a certified firearms dealership to license and register the weapon. Has to go through the whole process. If this person that tweeted it was in fact the professor, why is it that that professor didn't fully research the content of what he was posting and trying to criticize and failed miserably to criticize? That's the dangers of the internet. The internet is such a point-and-click world where you see a quote overlaid over an image, credited to somebody, and maybe you Google it and you find a dozen more and you find websites saying, yeah, that's right. But you have to dig further. You have to dig deeper to figure out that that, whatever it is you just saw was a bastardization or lacked information. That's the world that we live in today. Today... Moreover, every little thing comes into scrutiny because you ha- because there's the ability to research it and then there's just laziness. 
the guy replying on Twitter, that's laziness. That's seeing something, getting angry about it, getting emotional about it, and instead of researching it, you just share it and go off on your little tangent without providing even an ounce of research or an ounce of common sense. The Lincoln quote, it actually took me more than about 10 minutes on the internet. It took me about 15 minutes to figure out that it was from the Lyceum Address and to find the original quotation as worded as is. Because if you share the other one, sure, you're sharing, I guess, the spirit of what Lincoln meant, but he never actually said those words. He never said those words. And what you have is some dumbed-down, bastardized, point, original point lost. Because it doesn't take into consideration the context. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Now, this links in with the March for Our Lives. And David Hogg, specifically David Hogg, comes to mind. Why does David Hogg come to mind to me? Because... He just recently initiated a boycott of advertisers on Laura Ingram's show. Now, allow me to qualify this by saying I don't like Laura Ingram at all. All right, a lot of the Fox uh, talking heads, I'm not, uh, I'm not into. All right, Sean Hannity, I can't stand him anymore. Laura Ingram can't, can't stomach her. All right, uh, Ann Coulter. Oh my God, she is such a flip-flopping opportunist that I, you know, I don't know heads or tails. And I met Ann Coulter at CPAC years ago and hated her then too. All right, these these are people that don't fit in my these these aren't my cup of coffee, so to speak. All right, they're not they're not the type that I listen to. I don't really like them. I could care less if they remain on the air or if they go away forever. All right? I don't care. Um, David Hogg, however, goes on his Twitter, talks about not getting accepted to UCLA and a couple other primo like California universities. All right? David Hogg, by the way, you can, you can Google this. He's been accepted to many colleges. He's been accepted to at least several colleges. And he wants to say, you know, oh, I didn't get into UCLA, blah, 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 whatever. Okay, I get it. You didn't get into UCLA. Maybe that was your dream choice. I don't know. But you didn't get into it. It doesn't mean you can take to Twitter and be unhappy about it and then try to extend that as... Because this is what David Hogg did. David Hogg tried to spin it in such a way that, oh, UCLA didn't pick me, but you know what? We're moving forward anyway because we're changing the world. I don't need UCLA. Like some kind of reverse, like... I don't know, trying to dig at UCLA so that they'll rethink and be like, oh, man, this this hog kid, he just he's talking about how he and the people are changing the world and the protests and all that and that, that they're big and they're, you know, they're big and they're actually making change and we're not doing anything. Maybe we should pick them up. I don't know. I don't know. But you use the public forum to talk about, you know, oh, I didn't get into these schools. When you're getting into colleges, you are getting accepted to colleges. You just didn't get accepted into that college. A, a, a pristine college in which you need a high GPA, in which you are just point whatever short of, statistically. And that's what Laura Ingram tweeted. She tweeted a story, an article that was written by the Daily uh, Caller, I believe. My mistake. Not the Daily Caller, but the Daily Wire. So... Ingram tweeted an article that's written out 
about David Hogg, who had an interview with TMZ over this, all right? Like, listen to these quotes. And these, this is all according to TMZ, all right? Quote, It's been all kind of annoying having to deal with that and everything else that's been going on, but at this point, you know, we're changing the world. We're too busy. Right now, it's hard to focus on that. Hogg holds a 4.2 grade point average, which is fan-freaking-tastic. Okay, he got rejection letters two weeks ago and said, quote, I am not surprised at all, in, in all honesty. I think there's a lot of amazing people that don't get into college, and not only that, do things like I do because their voices just aren't heard in the tsunami of people that apply every year to colleges in such an economic impact at school system here, which we have in America, where people have to go into massive amounts of debt just to go to college to get an education. I think it's really sad, but it's the truth. If colleges want to support us in that, great. If that if they don't, it doesn't matter. We're still going to change the world. Okay? And Hogg admitted that he was accepted in the Florida Atlantic University, Cal Poly, and Cal State San Marcos. This is an example of, you know what? A kid went on to Twitter and talked about, you know, ah, oh, I didn't get into UCLA. All right? Laura Ingram retweets this article, all right, and throws in the word, this is her exact tweet, quote, David Hogg rejected by four colleges to which he applied and whines about it, and then puts in parentheses, dinged by UCLA with a 4.1 GPA, totally predictable given acceptance rates. That's all that Laura Ingram did, okay? It's all Laura Ingram did. She said that he whined about it online. Then he goes and tweets out all of her ad revenue. All of her sponsors. He gets on there. This is all of her sponsors. Let's boycott them. What do people do? David Hogg. He's that kid that was uh, involved in the, the shooting. How terrible. How tragic. Laura Ingram. He says that Laura Ingram is bullying him and making fun of him. Let's boycott all of her sponsors. Whether or not we were actually buying from them anyway or not. Some people jumped in and, and decided to buy from ones that stood out and said, hey, we're, we're cutting funding, like Rachel Ray's dog food line, which, okay, I buy the cheapest brand dog food that's the most healthy. All right, I don't get into this blue buffalo, high-quality, expensive-as-crap stuff to feed Fido. All right, I don't. But more or less, it became a pissing contest, and mind you, David Hogg is, what, 17, 18 years old? I remember how I was 17, 18 years old, all right? And I look back at my 17, 18-year-old self, and I think, oh, wow, I was dumb. I thought I knew it all, but I didn't. It's what everybody goes through. And then you have Laura Ingram, who, you know, you're the adult. You're the adult, and you're clearly just trying to conflate things and drive up an audience. But... Did this tweet really warrant a giant boycott of a bunch of advertisers because, you know, oh, I'm being bullied? Like, these kids and that movement themselves give off the vibe holding signs saying that the NRA is a terrorist organization when it has millions of members that haven't even committed a crime. They're just gun enthusiasts. That's it. They're gun enthusiasts that don't mind spending however much money it is to be a member of the NRA. Dana Lash doesn't have blood on her hands and she's not a child murderer. 
but David Hogg has said things against Marco Rubio. All right, these kids have said things against Marco Rubio. Like, I just can't look at you without picturing you holding an AR-15 and not caring about child's blood splattered on your face, which is very graphic, vehement rhetoric that isn't even true. Especially because Marco Rubio is the one that came to your town hall that was irresponsibly held not a week after the tragedy. But this is the pissing contest that America is in with people. This is this is this is what it is. This is where it is. This is where it's at. And it's really hard. To, it's really hard to have a dialogue and a conversation right now in this world. All right? Now somebody I follow, Tom Nichols. He's an opinion columnist. All right? Tom Nichols is also... He's a former U.S. Senate aide. He is a professor at the Naval War College and at Harvard Extension School. Also a former U.S. Senate aide. Um, USA Today. Board of Contributors. Columns at the Hill. A bunch of other stuff. All right? He actually wrote a, a, a pretty good piece on this about how, yeah, David Hogg is irritating, but Laura Ingram is the adult and she blew it. Okay, and this is exactly what he says. Quote, Hogg is irritating and sanctimonious in the way that young people often are. Ingram is ghastly by design as a market brand, but Ingram is also a grown-up who should know better. Yes, David Hogg is turning from a youth with a good cause to a media operator who is, apparently, trying out a possible career as a political gadfly before he's even cast his first vote. He's putting himself in the public square as a brawler who can throw and take a punch. He's savvy and getting savvier by the minute, especially in baiting a slew of commentators into treating him as an adult, which is exactly what he wants. Except, of course, when he wants to be treated like a kid. He recently shared his rejections from a handful of prestigious schools with the clear implication that these fine colleges are idiots for rejecting him. CNN anchor Alyssa Camerata indulged Hogg in this juvenile resentment by asking what kind of dumbass schools would reject him. Ingram, however, may have went even further. Normally a smart operator herself, she committed a trifecta of blunders when she ridiculed Hogg for his rejections. And then he goes on to state three big things that Laura Ingram muffed up in taking on David Hogg. Now, Tom Nichols, I believe, is a, is a very opinionated guy. Sometimes I don't agree with him. Sometimes I do agree with him. But he makes me look at things in different perspectives. And that that's the important thing that comes out of this. The fact that Tom Nichols can make me think, you know what, wait a minute, David Hogg is a kid. Let me let him be a kid. That's why I haven't really mentioned David Hogg and I don't go one-on-one with him because he, exactly that line, wants to be treated like an adult, except when he wants to be treated like a kid. Wants to be treated like an adult, wants to be taken seriously. And guess what? Him, Emma Gonzalez, all the kids that are speaking out against gun violence, they have the right to. And I reserve the right as a just somewhat older adult, you know, by 10 years in some cases, because I am not yet 30, they have the right to be completely wrong about things. When I was their age, I was wrong on so much stuff that it's not even funny. I was 
at their age, a golden GOP boy who the the local GOP guys loved me. They were like, they're like, we can't believe that. Here's a high school kid who's all in. Here's a middle school middle school kid who's all in on George W. Bush on our candidate for governor. You know, hey, come on, come on board. We love that kind of thing. And I was so dead wrong about a lot when, when I was that age. But I think, it, I think it just goes to show you that the tactics that are being used right now and the divide that's going on happens rather easily. And, you know, let them have a march for our lives. They have the right to do it. Let me talk about how I think some of the proposals that they're making are off the wall and won't make a difference. That's the political debate. That's that's the debate of ideas. That's the debate in the spectrum. And guess what? We aren't going to see eye to eye. We're not going to agree on every little thing. But there might be some compromising, maybe. Maybe there will, maybe there won't. I don't know. But I think that was a little tit-for-tat back and forth that's going on between those protesters and these commentators. And guess what? If you're not into David Hogg, because I'm not, I wasn't into how at the March for Our Lives they made up these little price tags of like $1.69 because they broke down NRA contribution money and said, oh, that's how much we're worth to Marco Rubio. Because guess what? If I did that right now with the national debt and how much every American owes, everybody would tell me to shut up and get off my high horse. Despite the fact that national debt is a big issue and everybody within the sound of my voice owes at least 50000 if not $60,000 to the national debt. Everybody. But I'd get mocked if I did that. But uh, they'd take NRA donations, which of course is just child-murdering blood money. And they're $1.69 in Marco Rubio's eyes or something like that. But if you don't like the David Hogg kid, guess what? He's not going anywhere. Out of all that bunch... David Hogg is the one that's going to stick around for a little bit. He's going to stick around for a little bit. And some of the interviews I've seen him do where he cusses and and, and acts immature, in my opinion, he's like an 18, 19-year-old kid or whatever. He's going to act immature. I acted immature that age, and I'm not feeding into it. So I'm leaving it at that. Now, I did mention tariffs, didn't I? I mentioned uh, tariffs and striking back tit-for-tats. There's a lot of political tit-for-tats going on right now. Um, China just hit the U.S. with tariffs. Um, And if I'm looking through here, there it is. I'm looking on my phone now. All right, Chinese tariffs. The Chinese government said tariffs on about $3 billion worth of U.S. imports are going into effect today, hitting over 128 products including fruit, nuts, pork, steel pipes, and recycled aluminum. I like saying aluminum. All right, It's a direct response to Trump's slapping China and a few other countries with tariffs on aluminum and steel imports. If, if people didn't think a tit-for-tat was going to happen... That's why we said tariffs weren't exactly the best idea. Uh, Trump has threatened even more tariffs on $50 billion worth of other 
Chinese goods. All right, top U.S. officials and Chinese officials have been holding back or have been holding talks to cool trade tensions right now. But this is this is where we're at. We're at tit for tat. And by the way, Russia, Russian diplomats were expelled from the U.K. and here and now Russia is doing the same tit for tat in the U.K. and the U.S. dinging back their dip, their respective diplomats from Russia. So we have that tit for tat going back and forth. I don't want to dive too much into details on that. Just that, you know, you can't you can say all you want that you support Donald Trump and everything that he does, but putting a tariff out there isn't always necessarily beneficiary to the United States of America because other countries can do it back. All right, and we might have the largest and most strongest economy out of all of them, but they can pile up. They can be costly. And we talked a little bit about how putting tariffs on, on steel from these other countries could actually hurt the American worker. But the last bit that I wanted to dive in on is actually a, a, a post that I put on fritzcast.wordpress.com uh, this past week with the data breach that happened uh, with um, Facebook. All right, And if you didn't know about that, it's been one of those things that it's out there in the news, but is it really heavily focused on? Because it doesn't involve Donald Trump. It doesn't involve uh, March for Our Lives. It doesn't involve a gun debate. Um, it kind of got lost by the wayside, in my view, anyway. I don't think enough people were talking about it. But what had happened was that uh, Facebook had dealings with a company, and... Thanks to user agreements and backdoor handlings, um, you know, people got a data breach that didn't want their data breached. Okay? That is essentially what happened. And anytime that you go on the internet, anytime that you use your phone, anything that you post on social media, everything comes under scrutiny. Um, things like Apple Pay, Google has their own wallet thing as well. Um, I don't participate in that stuff. I don't have a lot of that stuff on my phone just because there could be, you know, there could be at any point a data breach. And if there's a data breach and all my credit cards are on my phone, you know, say somebody hacked my phone. If I have every credit card on there, sure, in this day and age, I can call up the credit card company, say I didn't make these charges, get it canceled, get have an investigation sparked, and they'll figure it out eventually. Um, and, and But it's still a pain in the ass. It's still a big pain in the ass to deal with. The same can be said for anything that you put on social media. Um, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Your, your own email. There's all these user agreements that, that we don't read the fine print of because they're pages and pages and pages long. We just pretty much hit agree and move on, right? That's what a lot of people do. Family Guy, in fact, made fun of it. Best thing Quagmire buys like a laptop and he says, okay, there's this user agreement and Peter says, yeah, just hit agree. Nobody ever reads those. And he accepts the terms and conditions and then eventually in the middle of the episode, a guy in a suit just runs in and punches him in the face and he goes, ow, what was that for? And the guy said, you accepted the terms. Perfect example. So Facebook allowed a professor, a psychology professor at the University of Cambridge who owns a company called Global Science Research, um, they allowed him to develop an app and harvest data from users who downloaded his app. The problem was that Facebook users who agreed to give their information 
to this gentleman's app. His name was Alexander Kogan, psychology professor, University of Cambridge. Developed this app. People downloaded this app. You had to agree to the terms. And the problem was if you agreed to those terms, you agreed to give information to Kogan's app, but you also gave up permission to harvest data on all of your friends. Alexander Kogan then sold this to Cambridge Analytica, a company that people often cite in how Trump won his campaign. However, that turns out to be fluff and scare. One of the scary bits that I uh, highlighted in this in this post was uh, from an Ars Technica article on it about uh, Cambridge Analytica and about this. It was, quote, where conventional political advertising uses crude demographic factors like age and zip code to target advertising, Cambridge supposedly used a technique called psychographics, which involves building a detailed psychological profile of a user that will allow a campaign to predict exactly what kind of appeal will be most likely to convince any particular voter, a.k.a. Donald Trump could have a team, a campaign, and be able to look at people who even loathed and despised him, but be able to tailor ads in such a way that they would go, huh, Trump doesn't seem that bad. Kind of scary, especially when you throw in a word like psychographics. Uh, makes you go, oh, ooh, red flag, what the hell is that? Basically, at the end of the day, my article states that I think people aren't safe on the internet. Um, I don't think people take their safety into consideration when they're on the internet, and I don't think they take it seriously. And maybe part of that comes from my law enforcement profession, where I know my Facebook account is online, I know my Twitter account, I know my Instagram account, I know all of these things. I know the privacy settings that I've set for some of them, for some of the more personal stuff. My Twitter, I'm out there, I'm in the open, but it doesn't have my full name attached to it, you know. And I'm trying to engage audiences with that that are both near local and far, you know, national, international. That's something, that's a platform that I use to connect with people. So, And it's less about detailed personal information. Facebook, on the other hand, people plug in their freaking address, where they work, where they go to all the time. Everything's there. I mean, hell, your cell phone, my cell phone, without my awareness, freaked me out. And I talk about it in the article. Freaked me out because it would tell me when I got in my car, oh, you must be going to work. Here's the uh, traffic update. It should take you this long. Freaked me out. It came out of the blue. And I was like, what the hell? And it would mark where my car was parked on maps. And things like Snapchat. Your location on Snapchat, if you don't know who's following you and you have location services on Snapchat, people can pretty much just cyberstalk you. It will show damn near your exact location on the maps in Snapchat, which is crazy. I'm sure that they're handy features, but they're features that people probably don't think about, like what nefarious business could be going on. Those are all things that everybody needs to take into consideration. Safety in the Internet. Read more at fritzcast.wordpress.com for my blog on social media, A Cautionary Tale. Guys, it has been nearly 45 minutes. I'm clearly under the weather. Something's up with my voice. I don't know. But this has been this edition of the FritzCast. Thank you for listening. Do me a favor. Like this. Share this. Comment. Do your thing all over the realms of social media to help promote a conversation. All right. I love you. I'll see you all this Friday. This Friday, I'm back to Friday. 
This was just a one-off on a Monday. Friday, I'll be back with a brand new episode. And who knows what topics we will cover. If you want to follow me on Facebook, it's at FritzQS, F-R-I-T-Z, the letter Q, the letter S. It's fritzcast.wordpress.com for my blog. It is fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com for my email and at facebook.com slash thefritzcast. And now my voice is gone. All right, love you all, and I'll see you next week. Strike that. I'll see you at the end of this week. And I won't see you. You'll hear my voice. All right, love you. Bye.